Brought to you by the 1978 podcast. Billy Barnes. What up, what up? Good to see you again. Part two. I'm not even going to tell you I was just recording. Just go. Just go. I like it. <laughs> just, just, whoa, 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 we go. Okay, cool. Exactly. So how what's was, going on? How were the fights? Good, man. Good, good, good. Um, very exciting and very, uh, yeah, lived up to the hype. Cool. That one, that one Archuleta fight and Patrick Mix fight was, was fucking good. Did you watch that? I didn't. I, I you good. know, I, I feel like I'm one of those people who uh, paying for a, a fight, it's like it could be complete waste of money or like the best money you've ever spent. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm on the fence. So I end up just watching like uh, the uh, highlights and stuff. And just the scores of the finals. Well, I think for Bellator, it's um, you can find it on if you have basic cable like Paramount Network. We just signed with CBS Sports, so there's a way to check that out. And then also with Showtime. So I think we haven't done a, a pay per view for a minute. Oh, really? So you just have, yeah, you just have to find the right place on basic cable to to check it out. Oh, I haven't had basic cable in a minute. <laughs> that's me too. Yeah. So that's why I'm always like. I'm, I'm surprised they. I'm surprised they're relying on basic cable for an outlet, considering how many people have cut the cord. Yeah, I think like uh, I think CBS Sports has its own app, so I think that's that's good. Uh, I think Show Showtime does, but as far as the Paramount Network, I think they might have. Everybody's got an app now, so you have to. You can. That's I what know. I was thinking. I was noticing. It's like, it's almost like a revolution. So you know, there's like channels. There's ABC, NBC, like everyone before the, before you could get, in you know, entertainment on the internet. So you watch TV, and it's all it's all essentially the same. So it's like then it was channels, and then it goes kind of through this metamorphosis, and now it's like everyone has their app. It's essentially a channel, and then so you pay for this app and this app, but now you're just paying a la carte. So if you get them all, you're paying way more than you would have if you had cable, which came. But somebody's gonna come along and say, I know. I'll put all these apps in a package and sell them for a discount. And it's like back where we started. <laughs> and it comes with a satellite dish that we, <laughs> we drill into your, your, Oh, you already yeah. have three. Oh, oh, they don't come and get them. Oh, let me just put a fourth one up. Just so our brands up there. Yeah. So your, yeah. your roof looks like the top of a battleship or it's CIA absolutely. headquarters. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Fuck uh, yeah, man. So what have you been up to? Where is she? My wife. Um, dude, I'm just, so I'm trying to go back to work. I mean, I've, I've taken a couple of jobs now and this mask thing at work, dude, you, you, the same thing. I'm assuming but you, like yeah. the, you, we have to test. So we test every day swab and they jam that thing in your brain. And then, and then you get temperature and wristband every day. Mm-hmm. And we still and we gotta wear the mask all day. And, and after a couple hours, that mask, bro. I'm I'm pro mask, but yeah. after a couple hours, I just it's the hot air. Like it's it's a long. And I work long days. You work long. It's like twelve hours or more. And after a while, I'm just like I, I go way mm. outside of the parking lot, take five, and just pull it down because I'm like I just you need to breathe to. normal air and not feel like I'm breathing in the the air I just exhaled. Yeah. You know, and everyone's got the mask, and it's like you got this person that's in charge of COVID, 
she's like a Nazi, you know, he or she is policing and, you know, people are getting ejected. Like one guy got ejected because he just kept pulling down where it's like this, yeah. where his nose, his nose is, you know, it's like, I get it, you know, what's the point if your nose is exposed and they don't put the kibosh, somebody else is like, well, if he's not going to wear his, I'm going to wear mine down. And then there you go. And it goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. It's just fucked. It's yeah. it could be a lot worse, you know. We could be, you know, in a four hour line waiting to get water. Yeah, which is, you know, thank God. But it's and just, even it's, when you get close to the edge of the water, there's a crocodile waiting there to uh to take you <laughs> under. And then if you survive the crocodile, you then have to scoop the water and then walk another yeah four miles back. These poor people. In it's wild. Wherever they it's are, wild. you know, there's like two mile long line for fuel. And then once you get there, you're only allowed to take a gallon or something yep. or water. You yeah. know, so it could be a hell of a lot worse. It's just it's just one of these things, I'm, you know, you, work comes to a total complete stop. Then you don't do shit and you stay home hiding from people for five, six months. Yep. When you go back, it's a whole different routine. Everything's yep. different. Yep. Can't put this there. You can't touch this. And the actor can't. You can't have the props in here because if they touch it, then you can't touch it. And if you, you have to get this certain spray, and it has to be sprayed offset and kept covered, and no one touch it, and then hand it back. It's like twenty more steps to do the thing that should, that used to be one step. Just do the thing. Yeah. Now there's like nine, you know, bunch more layers of stuff, and you're protecting from potential COVID. How quickly do you guys get your results back after you say you test in the morning? It depends which. Which like uh, I guess company did the test. Mm-hmm. I don't know the difference between tests. They've told me that you know on one job it's like well this test is it's a swab in the nose but it's an eighty percent accuracy, and mm-hmm. then this guy says well this one's like eighty eight percent accuracy but they stick it in your nose deeper, and then you got to wait twenty minutes for this one because they're doing it in like a like a motor motor home that's like a mobile lab. Yeah, but then the other one it can't tell you for forty eight hours because they have to send it off somewhere. So it's kind of there's yeah. no like there's no set thing where you know it's just kind of an up in the air thing still. No, at least with production with unions, you know, no one really knows exactly who's responsible yet. Yeah. So production's just saying, well, I guess it's going to fall in our lap for now until there's some specific, you know, OSHA or or the you know. There's a there's a there's a there's a group that when you join unions you have to every two years update your card and make sure you're up to speed on your safety safety classes and stuff. Yep. And the uh, organization that takes care of the safety classes is called Contract Services. Safety Fund whatever it is and we just call it Contract Services. So you go there, you take your classes and you get your proof that you know how to do your job and that basically it's 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 formed by the producers and the studios as a form of proof that when we come to their stage or their place of work, that we've proven that we, uh, you know, essentially have signed off, that we know what we're doing, so that if we chop our toes off on something, it, we can't point the finger at them. Smart. Yeah, smart, smart on their part with their lawyers, definitely. Yeah. And it's good. It, it is good to have for everyone too, because there's some pretty basic stuff that people don't think about, and you just got to be aware of scissor lifts and 
and cranes sticking out and people moving equipment around and liquid on the ground and chemicals you can't touch and can touch and different. You're not allowed to touch certain electrical things that turn power on because there has to be a three-step process or whatever. There's a lot of like things you don't think about on the day-to-day that you need to be aware of, especially on a stage or on a lot where there's a lot of moving parts. If you're working at a house and shooting in a bedroom in some house in the valley, there's not as much going on, but you know, some sets on a big green screen with a platform that does this and hydraulics. There's all kinds of like, you just don't even go in there, you know? So it's, it's, it's TBD. I think it's going to come down to some new entity. It's going to be a new job. There's going to be a COVID safety officer or something to that effect. And that person will be part of whatever union, like they, like, you know, the set medics, there's some yeah. person sits there all day, and if something shit yeah. goes crazy, they jump in. Well, they're part of Local 80, which is the GRIPS. Now, I don't know how that – I don't know the backstory on how 80 became – medics became part of the GRIPS, which are like lighting and grip, like they yeah. hang lights. Yeah. But it was a union to join to attach them to, and, you know, so there's going to be probably some union that they're going to attach the COVID safety professional to. And they'll be part of that union, and then when someone hires them, they'll get their union benefits, and they'll have to take classes on how to do all that shit, and it'll be OSHA certified or whatever it is. That's wild. But it's completely up in the air. So they just hire some person that's like a that works at like a lab that tests people for diseases, and because they know how that process works, uh, they just say, okay, you know, are you want to do a freelance gig? So they hire him as a freelancer at whatever the rate is and they show up clock in on their time card and stay on set and spray shit and keep people from taking their mask off, you know, and do essentially what they would do at a, at a lab with people showing up to get tested for measles or whatever. Yep. You know, they say, Oh, I've been coughing a lot. You know, like they just doing what they do at the lab on set. Yeah. But they don't know what set, like the person that's in charge of, say, of COVID they have to wait and make sure that there's the, the, like they're supposed to make sure that people are wearing gloves when they interact with uh, actors of any age. And they're not like, they can't have three people touch a prop that this actor is now going to hold or like comb their hair with or whatever. They can't have three people barehanded touch that. And then the actor gets it. It has to be like chemical. Uh, it has to be um, sanitized, sanitized right yeah. before the actor. So this COVID person is there on set to make sure that, this process and these safety protocols are being followed, but they don't know how set works. So they're standing in front of the camera and the camera guy's like, can you move? And, and they're like, Oh, Whoa, what? You know, they're like completely oblivious to how this whole world works. They know how their job works and they're watching that. But so they're having to kind of like find their way, you know, that's fucking crazy. It's a weird, it's a weird, it feels like the, it used to be the wild west, the non COVID life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like if it, was a, the, if it was a, if it was a, if it was a, like a kid's book or like some sort of, you know, old wives tale or something, you tell people, yeah, back in 2020, <laughs> everything came to a crashing halt. No one worked. The streets were empty for months. You know, it's going to be this, you know, woo woo, you know, the, yeah. the, the tumbleweed, tumble, tumbleweed go by. Yeah. And then slowly people began to work, but then the COVID became an issue. No one knew what to do. Everyone wanted to dig their mat. You know, it's like how somebody that lived through, I don't know what, 
the only thing I could think to compare this to is like another disease, but the only other disease situations were way worse, like Spanish flu or maybe a war. I keep thinking about 9-11 and how horrible that was, and it was sudden and horrible, but it's completely different because that brought us together and there was no sickness. This has just divided everyone. Very much so. And yeah. What's crazy about it is like I've more than ever in my life, I've definitely have been more involved in politics, which is very, very interesting because had you asked me four or five years ago, six years ago, I had a finger on the pulse, but was never really like following, following. Well, I guess as much as we can with yeah. both sides of the media. But but since this administration, uh, it's so crazy how how more actively I am, you know, paying attention to, to politics and, 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 uh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to think like the backdrop of we have a pandemic, but just trying to stay safe and look out for each other has now all of a sudden become, you know, politicized and teams are being, and what's even more crazy is like people that I've considered my friends for so long and who I never really talked politics with, um, all of a sudden are just like super anti-maskers dude. And so there's this weird thing that happens within me that like, yes, I like, I love you as a friend and in person, but there's this little thing that hits that makes me kind of step back and go, what, what? Like, and then it, it questions myself, like, is the information that I'm getting correct? Is the information they're getting correct? And then it's like just a bunch of confusion. And instead of addressing it, I, it, it's like, I just kind of try to bury it, but it's, it's been very weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a friend I went to high school with, and and uh, we went through a lot of crap together growing up, like, you know, maturing, essentially. And, um, boy, at, from that time when I knew him to now, he's literally a different person. But, I mean, he wasn't he, – he did the, these – it's like you were saying, it's these changes that, that – uh, surfaced and they emerged through this presidency and COVID. Yeah. It's like the real person came out or at least their, 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 their true opinions came out or something to that effect. 100%. I like completely been lifted. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not naming names, but this guy was like bong smoking, pothead, Metallica, Nirvana, hangout, just chill dude, you know, grows up okay you know we get a job we 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 don't party we just we work family and then here comes this presidency and it's like the guy's 180 on everything he just he thinks california's a joke uh he thinks that uh masks are a joke um he thinks that democrats are a joke and he posts these ignorant fucking things on facebook like I don't, I can't remember. It's, but he's like mocking. He's like crazy California or Cala crazy or whatever he's saying. Crazy California. It's like turn, altering the word California into crazy, crazy Fornia or something like that. You know, and making fun of California and making fun. And it's like, dude, you, you basically, you were a Democrat. Yeah. And you got work in California and it, and at jobs that uh, had stock options. And bought a house because of a job that you had in a California-based company. Yeah. And now you think California is a joke. Well, go sell your fucking house then. 
or give yeah. it away if it's that if it's a joke. You know, it's like and and the mask thing I forget what he posted, but it was something about his opinion and it not being real or it's not it's all overhyped or something. So I, I and and so he's got his little friends, you know, and it's like when he posts, it's almost like there's these two or three people that he knows that just whatever the hell this guy says, they're just like, Yeah, yeah, that's right. Straight no matter tribalism. what. And so he posts yeah. some stupid shit. And and I say something like so it was the mask thing, and I say something like, well, what – it was like he said something like quoting a doctor, some doctor about it can't save you or something like that. And I say to him, I said, what's your opinion? And I, I put your, like, in caps. What's your opinion? You're saying yeah. the mask, but what's your opinion? And he never responds, and his little friends click the laugh icon on my <laughs> – it's like, so you don't want to talk about it. You just want to post, and then, like, you have nothing else to say, and your little friends are just little cronies. It's like, yeah. I forget it. So I just, I blocked, I didn't block him, but I just uh, stopped. Muted. Uh, yeah. Muted that ass. <laughs> you know, they don't have real science or real answers to back it up, but it's sure fun for these people to jump on the bandwagon and poke, you know, poke, uh, throw, throw gasoline on the fire, essentially, you know? Yeah. My thing is this, like, uh, regardless of what I believe about I guess, or what I even decide that I think I know about COVID, if wearing a mask is going to help like my homie next to me or just anybody around me, it's just like out of basic human nature that I'm, fuck it, it's uncomfortable, it sucks, but if it means that as a collective whole, we can actually defeat something and come together, then fuck it, I'm going to do it. Like, I want to think for the greater good of my fellow person, you know, giving people respect and and when I see when I see that, it's like I have to question: Is it just a disrespecting? Is it an entitlement thing? Is it something that's that I don't know if it's they're part of that ego that needs to feel that chaos that they're seeking that as a quick injection into that or something? But it, it's just I understand it's uncomfortable, but it's it's again looking yeah. out for your homie and just yeah. I don't know if everybody just took a little bit more care of the homie next to them. I think we would, damn, like, it would, even if it was 10% better, it would be, like, it would be fucking incredible. Yeah. So that's, I agree. so when I see that, I, there's something in my heart that just goes, man, you just, you don't care, or yeah. you, you, you're so in your own belief. Like, I get it. We're all super divided, and there's so much going on, but it's like, at the end of the day, we have, let's think about our fellow person, you know? Yeah. And You see that video of the kids, a uh, couple of kids, looks like they're, like, 21. They go to Huntington Beach, and... Uh, I have the box that says free masks. I think oh, I, I saw that. This. You see it? I saw that. Yeah. They're just straight up trying to give people free masks. And, and the one guy gets full on pissed. Like as if you had just poked him or done something really offensive yeah. by offering a free mask. Yeah. I don't know how the hell it gets to that mm. point. How the hell does a mask set you off? Because I mean, it's, it's like, it, it's not about the mask. It's what it represents. It represents a, a quick, again, that quick fix of allowing your anger to get out and your, your pain body and your ego to, to get that injection of importance. It's like, yeah, it's like my way of being macho and feeling in control or in, I, I don't know. And I, I, I keep meaning to have a deep conversation with somebody who's a super anti-masker. But <laughs> we should call, like, I wish we could call one right now. Just be like, what's up? Yeah. If, if I, I, if I knew... If I knew someone that would answer, I'd call him right now, dude. 
Just be like, yeah. tell us where where you stand and 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 how, why you're right. Like, prove your shit right now. Yeah. You know? And and again, like, I don't claim to know everything. Like, uh, the the media that I'm getting is probably just as skewed as everybody else's. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to deal with with what information that I am getting. And, yeah. and regardless of of conspiracies or what people think. Again, I just keep saying, just look out for the person next to you, man. Put a mask on, shit, yeah. dude. Like, and it sucks. I work long hours as well, and and it's like it's constantly on my face. My nose is getting all chafed. My ears are getting all chafed. Yeah. But but what's been interesting is I've been really trying to learn how to properly breathe, how to how to properly get good rhythmic breathing going on. And this has been a, a weird learning lesson, or of how to be in an uncomfortable situation and still keep a steady breath. And it's been this little game that I've been playing as I'm walking and only breathing in and out through my nose and keeping it nice and circular. And just, it's been really interesting. Uh, Just, I don't know, the more mindful approach, the more, uh, I don't know. There's always lessons to be learning in shittier situations. That's a good, that's a good place to be mentally to just approach it with just some positive sort of angle rather than just fighting it. Yes, because yeah. all I'm seeing right now is negativity, 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 and I, wow. and I it, it literally like fucks up my my patterns, my my everyday flow, and so I've been taking a, a good break from social media for the most part, other than like I try to limit myself to Twitter. But yeah, uh, yeah, man, it's it's hard. It, we yeah. gotta look for some some positive in all of this. Yeah, Facebook is just a fucking minefield of just BS right now. And I've I've deleted I've I've uh what do you call it unfollowed or blocked whatever a, a quite a few people that are just outright constant just BS and still you click on there just you know I used to think of Facebook, you know, my opinion of it used to be it's sort of this way to connect to the people you don't see very often, but I, I that hasn't even been the case lately. It's just a, it's just you know, it's this recurring regurgitated thing of like the same stuff. You see one person, something that's newsworthy, eight people post the same thing. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. And when you see it, when in Facebook, the way it deals with it. So you see the post and then all in order to sort of uh, unclutter your timeline, I think Facebook shows the post. And then it's just like sort of under that is a list of people who posted that. Smart. And it's like, so what am I supposed to do? Click like eight times in a row and the same thing. Like, I like that you said that. I like that you said that. I like that you said, I just like, okay, if all these people are just regurgitating a piece of news, you know, all Facebook seems to be is like a retweet of the world. And it's like, I don't, I'm just going to, I'm just going to text people and say hi and just go to the source. Exactly. Yeah. It's a wild, wild thing right now. Uh, I don't even know. I've been, yeah, just I, I got rid of Facebook a long time ago. Oh, did you? Because yeah, I, probably ten years now. I, oh wow, I didn't even I know that. Do it. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm feeling the same way with Twitter, and I think that's what's been trying to actually kind of getting me down a little bit. With really? you see one story, and it's like you know five other people telling the exact same story. I don't get and, on Twitter that often. I kind of come and go, and I haven't really mastered it. I don't really understand it completely yet. Mm-hmm. Um. But it mostly seems to be, it's not as personal, at least my feed, 
as Facebook. So I end up, it just, to me, it end, I end up seeing just um, people promoting their own shit. That's all I end up seeing, <laughs> which I do too, yeah. you know, but yeah. that's all it is, is like, check out my thing, click on my thing, add my thing, yeah. buy my thing, you know? Yeah. Watch my thing. I wonder what the next, I wonder, you know, at some point, I think we're all going to evolve past Facebook and Twitter. And I really wonder what that'll be. I mean, there's going to, there has to, it's too big of an, of an, of a, of a, a, an idea to go away. There has, there will always be some type of Facebook because it makes so much money with advertising and stuff. So there's going to, there's going to always be something like that, especially with more people being born and the, the population of the world going up. But Facebook can't last forever and Twitter can't last forever. They're going to last a long time. They could last a really long time. But if they went away, let's say Facebook, something Zuckerberg totally shit the bed and there was a complete disaster <laughs> and he shut it down. You know, Congress, whatever, some some really bad stuff. So they say it's a wrap. See, see a Zuckerberg. doesn't matter how much money you have. doesn't matter how much lawyers. It's a wrap, right? Then what, That'd be what, awesome. What would happen? <laughs> Like what would happen? Because I mean, would some, would it, would someone else buy it? I guess and keep it alive at that point, or just stay? It wouldn't. It could, something like that with that much income potential, it's just too big of a train to stop. I would think. Yeah, I agree. It would have to. It would have to transform or get rebranded, and then it would just keep going. You know, to some in some other company's hands, I guess. Because no one's going to throw that away. You know, they're going to go to yeah. Congress and say, "Look, it's too big." It's too much money making. Let's make a deal. Come on, you know. If it was shitty little like run by three people and there was like 10,000, you know, users, it would just get kicked to the curb and forgotten about, right? But something that big, it's just not in this, not, not, not in a, not in a, uh, um, what do you call our economy? A um, uh, for profit, you know? Yeah. What's the word? Um, I'm stupid. <laughs> you know, we're, we we everyone everyone's out there to make a dollar. The yeah. the, the type of economy, the the whoever. If somebody's listening to this right now, they're screaming it like, "Duh!" It's this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not getting yeah, not yeah. not capital it, capitalist. Is that it? Yeah, capitalist. So we live yeah. in it. I think I was already thinking that. So capitalist, right? So if because this is capitalist market and capitalist environment, and something like Facebook, if Mark Zuckerberg shit to bed, it would just be like, all right, I'll buy it, hundred billion, you know, some Fox or something or whoever Disney Disney would buy, it. and they just make it a Disney Facebook, some shit like that for four trillion billion quintillion million zillion dollars, and Man, Zuckerberg it'd be amazing would, to sell something to to Disney. That would be incredible. I heard Disney really pinches pennies. I mean, obviously they didn't with 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 Star Wars and Lucas and all that. But I heard. I mean, I for people that have worked for it on at my level at a crew level, Disney is fucking pinch in pennies. Really, that's, like, that's what they, I've heard. I haven't worked for so them. The, so. so does that mean like only paying the 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 bare minimum? Not yeah, whatever the lowest or? contract they can get away with. That, they, yeah. that unions will agree with, at least for union shoots. Yeah. You know, like five, ten dollars an hour lower than normal. Yeah. Why? You're making a movie that's making to make millions. It's like you you're going to get toys. You're going to yeah. get 
all that. It's going to be a franchise it. that'll roll out for decades. You're going to make so much, and you want to pay so us much. ten bucks an hour less than normal. Uh, There's no excuse. They just want to pinch wherever they can. Uh, that's a bummer to hear. I'm sure they still pay their Tom Hanks, you know, twenty billion, you know, twenty million. I'm sure, he's getting wow. his. Can't, still, can't pay that guy's set for life. Oh jeez. That's one thing I've always wondered about. These people that have done um, either big enough work or enough work where their residuals probably are way more than enough to survive on and more than they would even, they probably take, they probably say no to jobs because it's like, I'm going to make more money if I don't do anything than your job, you know, yes. like, like Seinfeld, the Seinfeld show. I mean, those guys, Forever. I don't know what it's got. They have to be making six figures a year at least still, if not more. Think of something like Hans Zimmer, who's scored fucking every movie you can think of. Oh, that every ones. fucking movie is, that is dope, Hans Zimmer is attached to it. It's like that guy monthly must get a 200k check from residuals. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he was on on getting points off at least some of the big ones. Yep. And every time does the that, main composer usually get points? You can. That's just like per project negotiation right i think for someone like that and if you once you've done a couple movies with uh you know once you do inception and all, you know then you, you've got this like look i'm Hans zimmer i've got this 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 sound you know yeah and you go to the meeting for the next movie and you're like look nolan this movie's gonna be huge i don't want you to give me 500 grand i want you to give me 200 grand and two points or a point or a half a point because that half point is worth way more than he's you know, on a on a Nolan movie after it goes to Netflix and it goes to Amazon for the next ten years. You know, he's gonna make more money off a point than he would off of a. The, and typically, do they do that? Do, do, are they open to stuff like that? Do you know, I I really couldn't tell you the big. I haven't been at on at the table, mm-hmm. but I know that people that have name brand um, recognition, recognition like sure. that, yeah. Cause they like put, the rock probably gets forever. Like, uh, he gets probably a lot of points. He's, he's a brand of himself. I mean, it's exactly. like, you know, he's done so good at that. Yeah. Dude, he's crazy to think about. It's, did you ever watch ballers? A little bit of it. Not a lot. Some, yeah. That, I, liked. I, I, I stumbled upon that show on a flight over to the UK and just got sucked in. Yeah. I mean, it's like on tour. I mean, it's the yeah. people saying, Doug, Doug, what is it? Uh, Doug Allen. Oh, Doug yeah. Allen created that too? Yeah. His uh, name's attached to it. So it totally makes sense that it's all, it's got that same vibe. But as yeah. soon as I saw the first episode, I was like, this is awesome. Uh, I love and the Rock. Josh. The Rock is just dope, man. I think the only thing that kept me from getting completely biting in is the sports thing. Because mm-hmm. I don't know sports super well. So like the lingo and all the behind the scenes about sports it lost me a little bit, but when these guys are like trying to become like, you know, entourage like that to me, and not only do I get it more, but also in the back of my mind, it's like, how fun would it be to just be fucking, you know, flailing around Hollywood, doing whatever you want. With money? <laughs> Anybody awesome. who would think that's a fun, like imagine thing to be, uh, to watch a TV show and just let it go. That'd be amazing. At least yeah. for one day. Yeah. I feel you, yeah. man. Yeah, I uh, even though I'm not a big NFL fan, football fan, I definitely uh, it was cool to see 
just that I've always been a fan of uh, Jerry Maguire, so oh, it yeah. kind of follows that it's a new age Jerry yeah. Maguire style. So, what is what is the Rock like a quarterback or something, or is he? A he used to be, a, I believe, a tight end oh, and okay. uh, had a, a prosperous career in the NFL, and then kind of I think got some head trauma that kind of forced his hand to retire, I believe. Oh, and yeah. so, as instead of staying idle, he decides to get a job as a as an agent. Or one of the bigger sports agent companies, or it kind of builds into that. Anyways, but uh, yeah, he ends up being you know an Ari Gold, but a cooler version and yeah. not as brash. And yeah, but that yeah, was a fun good. character, Ari Gold. Yeah, I love Ari Gold. <laughs> <laughs> Silliness. Oh man, and and you watch one episode and you realize like that guy would get me too every single day of the week, man. The shit that he would say the, not in only, the show, or yeah, uh, well, his character, so, the way he talks to girls, the way he talked to uh, what's dude, his name is his sister. When did that show run? What years? I think it was, think it was like two thousand. I want to say like two thousand three to two thousand seven, around there. So probably made it out before yeah. the Me Too and all this like heavy like 100%. cancel culture got real. But I mean, like the oh man. If that, I'm just saying, if he was a, a real character, that dude would have been every day, man. man That's crazy. I, I, I think that that character and the way he played it, uh, was it Jeremy something? Piven, Jeremy Piven. He's so dope. I love that dude. <laughs> I love that dude. Yeah. He, uh,. It's time for the staff meeting. Oh, joy. And what are we working on today? Kissing our employees' asses so no work gets done and we don't get sued. Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, what I wonder is how the process. So when you see, like, the, the the script goes out, they read it, they come in, they they set up, and they go into it. And let's say they do five takes. Does it? I wonder if it stayed for this show with the Ari dialogue, if it stayed on the from the script, or how far away it went mm. that Jeremy took it with his character. Like, like what part of that is the script written, and what part of that is just him coming Creating up, the character being himself. that character in the moment, and like bantering and like feeling it out and getting used to that moment, you know, on set in in that office and whatever the thing is they're going and talking about, and you know, ad libbing or whatever. I always wonder that. I know you can see a lot of like Will Ferrell stuff when you watch behind the scenes. He just fucking will just start going and come up with shit for for like twenty takes. He'll go do another one and he'll come up with something different. Like I, they just let him go because it'll, you never know he might strike gold with something crazy funny. You know, like uh, damn, that's wild that he can do that. Is yep. there a video of that on YouTube of him doing shit like that? Will Ferrell? Yeah. You see? Oh man. I love when you actually see like a, an artist who's truly perfected his craft, you know, and what's like, he's saying, he's saying got something him. like that. It's like undeniable that dude, this dude is a fucking professional at what he does, man. They, uh, I think he's funny enough to so many people that the producers are like, okay, let's give him another five minutes with this scene and see what happens. Yeah. Cause it's worth, cause if he says something that could make the movie just ridiculous, like, do you think he gets a producer role for that kind of involvement or any kind of more? I don't know. Maybe. I'd have to look it up. I mean, 
Because it seems like he's always attached from some sort of producer level. But they give these guy these name people producer credit just because they bring like their like like they'll exactly. get a producer credit because they made a phone call and told their friend that's a comedian that hey you should be in this movie because yep. the producer didn't know that guy that yep. through Will Ferrell he gets a phone call to him and that that contact they say okay we'll give you a producer credit and it was a phone yep. call like it could be that simple. I have a question when uh, when you see a film where, what is it? Oh, no, say what you were going to say. Uh, when you see a film where the lead actor is also the director, I've never seen anything behind the scenes of that. And I'm wondering, uh, it, do yeah. they call action from the scene? They get in the scene and they're like, okay, I'm directing. Okay, camera up, sound, good, action. And then I he think, does it. And then I think it's probably case by case, but I would say that in that scenario – you probably have a first AD and a DP that you trust enough to kind of carry that role a little bit or share it in some way. Cause you can't okay. be saying, okay, everyone ready and be in this character. Yeah. You just got to go with the character, look back at the playback, you know, and say, all right, let me do it one more time. Let's just move over here, change it. But you can't be a full on director mode and then somehow snap and sit down and be in front of the camera and then snap. I don't think they you can just jump hundred percent from one to the other. You kind of have yeah. to be that the lead and just maintain, keep an eye on your own performance, the other lead performance, the whatever. And but the lighting and the camera, you kind of have to just say, "Fucking, I can't. You do it. I trust you." Yeah. If yeah. It, depending how big it is, if you're doing a short film with your friends and you're directing and, and acting, I mean, you probably have to do a lot of directing and all the acting too. So it's just, yeah. That's cool. That would be kind of a fun thing to do. I was just, I just did a podcast with um, my buddy Nate who uh, uh, directed and starred and wrote a short film and uh, he did a pretty good job. I didn't, I wasn't there for the filming or anything, but the, the short came out really well. Um, it was called the interview and um, you know, when you go to like a film festival or short films or whatever, not pretty quick when they play one, you know, first 30 seconds, <laughs> you're like, yeah. all right, it's not working. You can just tell like how the camera worked, the light, like they just are not pulling it off. You know, it's not there. Yeah. Maybe it'll improve, but like he did a good job of that film, the interview, like from the get go, the, it, 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 ha- it keeps a good pace. There's a story. His character has an arc. It's definitely a talented guy. Love that. It's funny that you say that, you know, that within the first 10 seconds, uh, I've submitted, I think, three or four films to Sundance Film Festival and various other film festivals throughout my independent filmmaking life. Oh, yes. Uh, exactly. I uh, and never got into, obviously, to Sundance, never got into some it's of hard. the, more, the Those bigger big ones. Those big ones are always, hard. And I was always like, dude, like, my shit's not that bad. It's, it's very avant-garde. It's very, like... Uh, improvisational but it's it's got character and it's got some feel and so i remember i used to get so down when i would just always get rejected by this and then it was funny uh i found this hard drive recently when i moved before i moved to la i was clearing out a ton of shit in my house found this hard drive popped that thing in i was like what's on this and it was all my films all my, my short films and so i started going through one by one and within the first 10 seconds, I was like, oh, that's why. 
all right, let's go to the next film. I go to the next film. I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> and I'm seeing this and I'm like, that's why. Okay. I, I, I totally yeah. understand that. And uh, it's hard to see the film f- from somebody else's point of view when you made it and your heart's in it. Yeah. And you think of these guys for con or Sundance, they're getting films around the world. So they're like, they probably have a bunch of people watching films. And even yeah. then each person's watching dozens or hundreds and they're probably got to the point, like, you know, just the rep- repetitiveness of it. They plus play or punch something in. If it doesn't grab them in the first page worth of, like, like first minute, you know, that first that first impression is probably has to be strong. What's funny is I opened up one of my films with a, a shot of just the camera pointing down at the this dirt, you know, road. And it's just this yeah. road going underneath, and then the titles, and it's at least a minute long title. Jesus, intro, <laughs> a minute long intro on a short film of titles of letters. It was it was a feature film. It was it was, oh, it was uh, a feature film, but but still, like opening up with a minute of the same yeah. shot, and, and to me, you know, when we're at like you know on, on LSD or mushrooms <laughs> or whatever the God knows, you're what, like, I'm while we're filming it, while I'm filming, it's like this is the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> And then I go to edit it, and I'm like, this is the coolest thing. They'll yeah. so see the grain. I'm feeling and, it all. Yeah. And then it makes the cut, and then, uh, and then you know, you watch back 10 years Dude, later. Every, I think everything I ever did that I dragged some friend out to somewhere to shoot, and he's not an actor, and he's like, how long do I have to be here? And I'm trying to get a performance out of this person. <laughs> And I, you know, you write it till like 5 a.m., and you sleep for an hour, and then you get all your shit together, and you go, and you're like, uh and you're you're doing everything you're setting up a thing a mic and you set the camera and you're fucking you want it to look cool but you have no control there's traffic it's just like fucking so hard to make something happen well what's funny is you're i i've back then i used to work with pretty patient actors and and crew people so everybody was pretty patient allowing me to kind of breathe a little bit and 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 kind of uh work work what i could within the scene uh, whenever I was directing or anything, but uh, uh, you know, wait, what was I gonna say? Fuck! Oh, there was a good thought about that. Shit! Hey. I'm sitting here thinking, who in the wah, world wah, would slow roast a dog's asshole and serve it to their husband? You would. You are being awful. What's wrong? <sighs> Captain took us off. Fucking. What movie is that? That was like a slower sort of dialogue scene of 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 um, other guys. I don't think I've seen it. Other guys. Oh, you haven't? Oh, shit. Who's in it? It's Will Ferrell and um, Marky Mark. Other guys. There are two cops in New York, and it opens up with uh, Sam. Oh, and he's, he's, a, he's always trying to be the – he's on a typewriter, right, or something like that? He's like – he, he wants to play it safe. He's trying to, like, not That's right. get involved. Yeah, that was a good movie. I saw that on the airplane as well. Uh, I see a lot of these movies on airplanes. I'm on airplane. If you move anymore, I'll be forced to shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Taste for lions. Okay. This is clip, dude. We will figure it out. We will use kelp to create air bubbles. See, hear, you hear that? <laughs> yeah. So, like, the director's just feeding him lines. Like, they're, they're, they're rolling, and they're getting, you know, they're getting Mark Wahlberg's reaction to to Will Ferrell's thing, but he just goes off on this whole thing about, you know, you can't be like, I forget what it was, but he's going off on like, we are, we are a, we are a, a tribe of tuna and we will come together as a group and we will form 
an apparatus to get on to land and hunt you. And it's just like, that couldn't have been written. No one writes, we're going to no form way. an apparatus of tuna. And we are a bunch of tuna, and we're going to form an apparatus to get on land and hunt you and you're a lion. It's just on paper, you'd be like, that's psycho. But just coming up with it in the moment. So how much of that do you think? I've never been on a, a big set like that of, of, a, of a comedy, really. I, uh, so, I haven't been on a big, giant budget comedy like that either. I have, well, that's what I was. That's why I'm saying, like, I, it would be really interesting to see when you've got somebody like a Will Ferrell, and you're in a situation that's a comedy, and it's like a a big part of that movie relied on Will Ferrell's comedy chops. Yeah, you know him and Wahlberg as the good cop, bad cop, and and this whole like this, this whole movie had this like air of like Will Ferrell's character just not acknowledging reality he's like the, he, he in college he ended up pimping some women out but in his <laughs> eyes in his eyes he wasn't a pimp he's just helping his friends and his wife supposedly is like he's like yeah that old hag and she's hot as fuck i remember that and he was just like whoa <laughs> that's over when mark Wahlberg. yeah uh dude and Wahlberg's leaving like, and he's like bye sheila and he's like and he kisses her because <laughs> he can't hold himself back and he and, and and he's like, bye Sheila, I miss you, Sheila. And and Will Ferrell's character's like, see you at work tomorrow. And he just says, bye Sheila. He doesn't even look away from her. <laughs> it's like those moments, dude. Like I think that you have to have a script that almost may or may not even have dialogue, dude. It's just like, yeah, they both have dinner at home, and his wife cooks dinner for them, and they talk business. Like that's a, you know, I'm sure they had dialogue, but. It, it, when you a movie like that, you see that and you're just like, yeah. So I'm wondering as a writer, here. do you try your best to write a script out, and then you would get like two characters, comedic types. They would give the script a, a look over and maybe add their notes to it, and then you'd go into filming, I'd imagine, and uh, follow the the blueprint, but allow those in I, those moments a little bit of yeah. You know, I think all you're saying what that the, you put it. And the best way I can imagine is that the script is just the roadmap. Yeah. You, you got to get those lines. If you can't come up with something better then they're getting those lines, once they get those lines and they have the script as written, unless something comes up better, they get that. Once they got that, if Will Ferrell wants to then go off on a train of, and just run it into the ground and come up with shit, which probably, uh, you know, a movie like that, I think, Will Ferrell probably comes up with something funnier most of the time. That would be my guess. Hell yeah. Hell but, yeah. you know, any movie, any movie, comedy, drama, thriller, I think that once the camera is there and the scene and the actors and the, the there's some smoke and the effects and, like, the lightning, whatever they've got, you know, and the the the, the kid is walking by and the, whatever the thing is, the, the background ca- uh, actors are doing their thing and, like, you start to see it working and come alive and you're looking at a monitor – you can't know what that moment feels like when you're writing the film. Yeah, so the agreed. best thing you can do is just write what feels best and just know that if you did shoot that scene, that once you've got character A talking to character B at a bar and you know what they both need to accomplish and you know what needs to be said, like one of them wants to say, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to do better than you. 
right? And the other one's gonna has to say, no, I'm going to do better than you. And there has to just be the purpose of this whole scene is just to raise the tension. Yes. So no matter what happens, story-wise, the thing that we're here for, the reason all these fucking people and lights are set up here is for these two characters to raise tension in the story and go on to the next part of the story where the tension is higher and they have a collision or something. Because if you don't have any tension later down the line, there's no reason why they'd be going at having an argument. So you, here we raise tension. Now, what you wrote is character A says, uh, I didn't know they let pussies drink at this bar, you know? And character B says, you know, I, I didn't know either. What are you doing here? I, you know? am, what, I am what I eat or yeah. something like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but once you get there and you're looking at the monitor and they read it, you go, how about say this now? And then like, and you say, okay, back up a little farther. Actually, let's have you walk into this. So you just start to massage it, you know? So I think oh. any movie, once you have the lights and everything set up and you're going to do a little rehearsal before you roll, that's when you kind of start to really feel what it's going to be in that particular moment. <sighs> That would, I, I want to experience that so bad. I want to experience working with, you know, a full-on paid crew. Everybody's taken care of. Everybody's in it. Everybody, like, a big stuff. I've never, I've only PA'd or done, like, script supervising for that. Yeah. But to be in a driver's seat and creating it and, and flowing, and, and I, I've never experienced that. And I can't imagine, because right now with my work, with the fighters that we we work with their, their time is so limited and they're either cutting weight or they're in deep training. And it's, it's really hard to kind of derail them to get a lot of content that you really, really want. Oh, Cause you're getting them on like a little side moment that they have between 10 other things. Exactly. Or yeah. they just finished the round and you're like, yo, let me ask you three questions real quick. And, and then yeah. maybe as you want to flow, you're like, I have a better question, but then the round starts like, I gotta go back. And it's, I've been working for Bellator for two years now and, and working with fighters like that. And I just, I got so used to that's how things roll. And so recently I was watching a behind the scenes uh, video on uh, YouTube and you just see the director sitting there and calling the shot. No, that's doing exactly what you're saying. And I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, I, I couldn't even imagine what that would be like to be able to, to, to have that. And, I think and, that that experience though, of you not having much time with these guys is good. Because if you do get a job, get a, 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 a something on its feet and get some budget, and if you get someone with a name, even though they agree to do your movie, they're still going to have 10 other things going on. Yeah, that's true. You know, they're going to want to go true. talk to someone. They're going to want to step off and get on the phone with something. Yeah. So even though you have them there and they're committed, those moments of like finding that character in that scene are still going to be bookended with, oh, I got to go step away for a second. Or, oh, I mean, if you have okay. someone big. Yeah, but then it like also. Yeah, but then I guess I'd have to also say that, you know, one actor might be more respectful than another, and they might give you a hundred percent of their time and not give any time to the phone that day because they're here for this and that's how they roll. Like a Christian Bale, they're like a Joaquin Phoenix, right? Like this is yeah. it, they're in it to win it. They're hundred yeah. percent this character. They're not. They don't want anyone interrupting this shit. Oh, I, w- I want to work with someone like that someday. That's the dream, yeah. You know what? I, I feel like I feel like it's almost like fading away. Like, like P.T. Anderson and Tarantino, and I think, you know, a, a small handful of other a- of directors still create that environment with their script and their story and the actors they choose. Like Adam Sandler, too. Yeah. 
as a director or as an actor? As as usually both, right? He's usually producing, directing as well, or I get like the last thing he did was that uncut gems. I think he was just acting in that. Oh, okay. Because that was the uh, Safri. For some reason, I thought he was more involved. But uh, carry on, carry on. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's it seems like this like sort of organic, true, you know, commitment to filmmaking and story and character is very minimal is like it's seen very little now and i mm-hmm. I, I feel like the mo- that what i see most of is these sort of roller coaster ride type of things where the movie is is being held up by action and set pieces and and flashiness 100% you know? 100% Which, not enough char- yeah not a lot not a lot of character dives these days yeah. and i it's think not that's easy what to do me so much to to the did you see joker yeah, yeah, that was right. one of the last movies that got my my blood pumping. Uh, just the character development. Yeah, just so seeing him incredible. running in the streets and that he became the Joker. Like, and yeah. I, I, the character went from this to this, like, or yes. whatever you want to call it. But he, a character, like, became it totally. He, you know, metamorphosized. Yes. Not just went out and on a revenge spree or something, but actually altered their state of being and like changed their mind and, and created a, a movement of chaotic shit in New York Gotham and people behind him. They're saying, yeah, we want to, we were all about this. You know, nuts, dude. I love it. it it's so incredible to see. And I, I watched a, like a 15 minute YouTube video on kind of explaining the, the arc and everything. And I think it was actually put out by, um, by the filmmaker, uh, Todd Phillips. Yes. It was incredible to see what what they did to to signify that character change when yeah. things are more dreary and darker in the beginning, and then all yeah. of a sudden the lights become brighter and the colors become more saturated. And the and, DP uh, the DP did a lot of like made a lot of smart choices with how they moved the camera, how they dealt with the footage in post, and the type of dark and light, and, and yes, his apartment, and then the and the mom. Yeah, it's just like he was in this like bad, painful environment, and his whole everything is his whole being. You know, he's like he was primed to become the Joker. You know, it's a great take. So typically, with the DP, then I'm the director. I come up with the idea. I want to shoot in this kind of dreary looking, uh, you know, setting. I pick my DP and say, "This is the look I'm going for," and then they say, "Yes, like." I can do that or, or maybe I can't do that or I, it's a collaboration. I mean, you, you, you would probably look for a DP who kind of whose work is kind of leans in the direction that you're trying to go. Yeah. Like you might find a DP that's likes to shoot in a way where things are darker and you've got a dark film. You're obviously not going to go try to find a DP. So you're, you're a director and you've got your script and your script is futuristic and dark, right? And, um, uh, <laughs> but, um, and so you're not going to go find and not, you know, email the DP who just does sitcoms. Yeah. You're going to go for the DP that does feature narratives like, you know, they're going to have the look that you already know, you know, yeah. and then, and then you're going to put boards together and stuff like you've done with those images that really show, you know, really close to what you want this thing to look like. 
Because you're you can only with a DP, it's a collaboration. Everyone's a collaboration. With people like the DP producer types that are really heavily involved and they've really got a stake in the whole thing, it's even a more so a collaboration. And the DP makes a lot of creative decisions. So the director DP is definitely a collaboration. You got to be friends and you got to get along because you're going to be neck and neck, you know, shoulder to shoulder making this thing happen. And um, you both have to like the the the, the project and like the the look and if if i think that if i were directing something and i'm trying to find a dp aside from wanting to know the dp can make that look i'm gonna want to meet with this person and go you know have that coffee or that lunch and i'm gonna want to hear them say things that make me feel like we can bond and we can be friendly 100 because when you're down in the in the in the pit and you're down in the in the in the trenches and it's like time's running out people everywhere and it's fucking chaos and shit and you're getting it done and the day is running long. That's when it's like, you're going to have this minimal, like it come down to like, can you get along? And he does something that you like because you had to go off and over here and fix the thing and talk. And he just had to roll because he's got to roll because he can't wait anymore. Cause the sun's going, you just got to trust that you're both on the same level. I think. Because you're not going to be able to work things out necessarily at all. You're not going to have time. All you just got to be on the level and work that out before you even start shooting. So does typically the director then choose the DP? Or probably. I mean, I guess it's whoever show. Like the DP could have a script and say, "I I need a great director." But I could. I see. Could be a producer looking for a director DP. I mean, it's so it's so organic, you know. Which is one of the reasons I like this the world because it's not just this. It always happens like this. Yes. There's no changes ever. It can kind of formulate wherever, you know. I like that. That means like that. that means you the best person should and hopefully is there for that job title. You know, it's not like you're in the Soviet Republic and it's like only only Olga shoot films. <laughs> Olga is only DP. You every movie <laughs> Olga. You know, you go find who you want. Thank God, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope that that answers a little bit uh, your, your question. <laughs> Wait, what was that one from? I don't recognize that one. I hope that that answers a little bit uh, your, your question. I don't know what it's from, but it's Arnold. Uh, I I can't remember what movie that's from. Play too, the kindergarten cop one. Too obscure to. What's your name? Answer the question. Get your mother. Where is she? My wife is fucking crazy. Who's your daddy? I need to speak to my wife. And what does he do? I'll call you back. I bet there's a good... Uh... Where are you pulling all these from? You just like a little oh, sound that's thing. A, that's a soundboard, yeah. Uh, sick. Yeah, it could, it's so organic. It come together from anywhere. But yeah, you know, anybody like if it's your show and you're putting it together, that I think I think the people that you choose to work with and to create that project with, by by committing to that and saying, okay, Joe, I want you to be the guy doing the thing. That decision forms the film or the yeah. show or whatever because. You just got to know who this person is and what you're entrusting them to do. 
because once the ball starts rolling, it's going to be really, really difficult to change that person. You don't want to have to do that. Hell no. You know? That's crazy. Did you read about um, that one of those recent Star Wars movies where the mid, mid, mid run or early run, the directors bounced out and Ron Howard came in? Uh, it wasn't Ryan, right? Johnson? I forget who left. I think it was two directors, if I'm right. Okay. Creative differences, which is what they say every time. Who knows? Someone yeah. puts someone off. And, um, but they had been shooting for a while. And if I remember correctly, they, I, I feel like I want to say they started over, shot everything over again from the beginning or whatever they had shot. They reshot because Ron Howard was there and it's like, all right, let's do this this way now, whatever decision. Fuck, that's but, you know, crazy. I mean, I guess Disney can afford it, but, you know, you yeah. don't want to have to do that if you... No. I did, did the same thing with um, Rogue One, right? I think they... Did they? I think they went back and shot a lottery. I forget. Or, I think so. I think it was that one. Um, yeah. I always seem to bring up Rogue One. That is one of the best Star Wars movies That ever. movie, dude. It's one of the best movies ever. It's like so fucking good. We're married. This is the best of Arnold. <laughs> Consider the divorce. Consider that a divorce. <laughs> Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what best. it made you. You did. I lied. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> that scream. <laughs> That's one of the best. I have a headache. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Tumor. It's not a tumor <laughs> at all. I love that movie. I'll be back. I'll be back. Oh, that movie was so good. Hasta la vista, baby. Can't get enough. I love it. I love it. Can't get enough. Even what's it called? What was it, uh, Big? Or what was the one where he had the, the baby with Danny DeVito? Twins? Twins. Yeah. Was it Twins? Is that what well, it was Dan, the Dan, There's a Danny DeVito one, Twins, but then there's a different one where he was pregnant. Yeah, that one. The pregnant one. I but that was like... I think it was something, something Christmas or something? Nah, it was... Oh, fuck. I love Arnold, but I don't remember the movies that I don't really care about. No, I'm, I'm like was, I'm like a partial Arnold fan, I guess, huh? I have to. I should know them all. Okay. It's it's not twins. It, twins is the Danny DeVito, but the pregnant one is like, yeah, the pregnant one. I, I don't know. Damn. Let's see. What's your name and who's your daddy? What is it? Yeah. What's your that well, that's Kindergarten Cop. That one is really good. Wait, where, where is it? Junior. Oh, Junior. Oh, that movie is so good. <laughs> I haven't seen that one in years, dude. Junior. It's funny. When they, at the very end, Danny DeVito hides him in that, uh, I think it was like a, a pregnant lady's like uh, retreat way out in the like, crystals. In Junior? And, yeah, in Junior. They Danny were DeVito was in Junior? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. And so he was the, the father who, had, or he was the doctor that injected him. Oh, really? Fuck, I, I didn't realize that. Um, man, this movie's good. 
Anyway, so at the very end, um, the dean of the college is trying to catch uh, them doing malpractice with their research and try to shut them down. You know, uh-huh. the antagonist who's constantly meddling and whatnot. Right. So to hide Arnold in his belly from him, they they like uh, hit him up in this little, uh, like I said, pregnancy camp for, for I think for single women or something. And it was uh-huh. like super peaceful and all the like, lots oh, of yeah. love and. They put a wig on him. They put the makeup. They put the pearl necklaces. And there's this scene where yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, they're like working out and shit. And he's just like, uh, it's just a great, great scene. Uh, uh, I love Arnold. Fuck yeah. I got to I got to Oh, Emma Thompson. That's right. <laughs> you know what movie I've been really wanting to watch is Edge of Tomorrow again. That's a good uh, one. Fucking so good. I love that they. Didn't fuck that up in the editing. Yeah. Because how easy would that be to get confused with the editing? Oh. Man. They probably had a bunch of people look at it and go, okay, tell us if this starts to get stupid and you don't get it. Yeah. You know? Because in order to keep the pace and keep people interested in watching it, when they jump back to the beginning when he wakes up again, you can't show the whole fucking thing. So they shorten that. And that's the part where I'm like, okay, they did a good job of only showing you enough to give you the taste that he's back again, but not bore you with repeating it. And And it increases too, because remember that time when he's like trying to train for that thing and he just gets wiped out. Oh, no, no, my leg's broken. You got to kill you. No. No, no, I can make it. I swear. (laughs) Like they threw a little comedy relief in there to kind of make it entertaining still. Yes. Yeah. So good. And then just the, the tones, like the DP of that, it's so well, whoever yeah. that was, it was just a killer. That's and just, a good oh man, uh, such a great movie. I've been super on a sci-fi kick as always, but Me even too. more lately. I actually went back and just purchased with, without watching again, just because I was like, fuck it. I remember this being good. The new Dread, or the newer Dread. The newest one? Yeah. I haven't seen it. And it had, it had what's his name from The Boys as the... Um, he was the lead actor in The Boys, that new show that, or that show that's been popping. Is it, Hold on. And it the guy with, uh, he's like Keith Urban's brother or whatever? Is it yes, Carl Urban? Yes, yes, yes. What's, what's his name? Carl Urban, I think. Uh, let's see. Shit. It's showtime. Yeah, Carl Urban. Carl Urban, yeah. I should make he, that he, the beginning of every episode. <laughs> it's showtime. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, Dread, fucking rad, is man. It? Yes, and Carl Urban kills it. I love uh, him as Dread. My it's problem dark. is I feel, I'm um I have uh it's not what's the right word? Like I don't trust these remakes that that are of movies from the eighties and nineties. Me too. So I I'm against it like out of the gate. But I, I you know like I almost don't want to watch it because I don't want them to keep getting remade and the only way to stop a movie from getting made is to not Just pay the filmmakers it. the money they spent so and make it fail you know so don't go <laughs> how what other what other it's like voting for president what do you have what's the one thing you can do vote well essentially yeah. by not going to the movie you're downvoting vote. it you know vote with your dollar yeah mm. well if you ever happen to be scrolling and you see it and yeah. you haven't seen it yet I definitely. I, it I'm on, a is huge it on platform fan of right Sylvester now? Stallone. What's that? Is it on something right now? Netflix or something? 
Where'd you watch uh, it? No, I just bought it, but it's super cheap. I think I bought it either on YouTube or Amazon, but it was like two, three bucks or something. Yeah. And I was like, when's the last yeah. time? When's the last time you bought a DVD? God, I don't even know. Wow. I, I maybe the oh, I think the last one I bought was when the San Francisco Giants won in two thousand twelve, I believe. Maybe. The Would you buy one. a DVD of the of the game? Yeah, I'd like the whole yeah, the whole, the whole game. the twenty four seven kind of style. Yeah. Oh, that video is so good. But uh, do you yeah, remember? The last time. Do you remember like? Um, I think the last place I bought a DVD was there was this place in the Bay Area called Rasputin Records. Hell yeah, it's still there. Oh, is it? Yeah. So they would have like whatever they called the dollar bin kind of thing. Yeah. And you go in there and you start rifling, and that was years ago. But anyway, you. I think Amoeba had one down here, but they're so like they they Amoeba would pump up the retro thing so hard they they could almost pull off like selling you an old movie at full price because it's so unique. It's like exactly this fucking movie should be a dollar, dude. <laughs> Give me the DVD for a dollar, not ten ninety nine. You fucking criminals, you know. But you pay it because you're like, oh, dude, it's a you know, it's the criterion with the extra whatever, you know, and now yes. I'm stuck with this. I got these plastic bins under my bed, but it's like probably over a thousand DVDs. My DVD uh, collection is fat, bro. I have the <laughs> sickest collection, but yeah. I, I, as I was downsizing before I moved down to LA again, I was, I just got rid of all my cases and then bought those oh. big old CD booklets yeah, yeah, yeah. and then just literally have them in like huge safe space. Dude, two of them, man, just filled Filled, but so when I looked space. at all those DVD cases, I mean, you could have built a motherfucking Ford out of that wow. shit. You should have done something with them, like I don't know what you could do, but like some sort of like build a house of cards type of thing, and then like That'd drive through it or something. Some modern art piece, you know, when you open them just slight, so like a book, and then yeah. you just stack so them all up. See the, that'd be sick. Did you take the slip of paper out, or you, and are you just the DVD you kept? I. I Took the, I, I did not take. I, I recycled the. Took them apart to recycle them, but didn't keep anything. Yeah, I can't. I, just, I, I don't have the heart to take out the DVDs out of the thing and throw the paper away because, for some reason, to me, it's like if I'm gonna. Keep, oh, me too. It was so hard. Yeah, it's hard. Like I, I want to do that. In fact, uh, I think on Instagram I saw some. You know, how you see Amazon ads on Instagram, like shit that's on sale. Yeah, there's these little things. They're like they're essentially what you did, you know, with the binder, but there's these sleeves, yep. but you can take the paper out of the DVD case, the jewel case, and you put that paper and the DVD into this thing. But then now oh, I like that. So then you keep the paper with it, but it's flat, just like a sleeve, but it just has the paper in it. I like that. But it's like, yeah, I, you know, 20 bucks for like 20 sleeves and like a dollar each. I'm like, I don't want to buy it. I think I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I was running into when I was looking at Amazon. I was trying to figure out yeah. uh, how, how to do that. And I, I think I did see those ones, but like, like you said, that the price added up so fast because uh, yeah. I was like, fuck, I'm trying to do this as cheap as possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to spend cheap, like 500 <laughs> bucks to keep DVDs. Like, God yeah, damn. but I do love the pictures, man. The pictures, I'm a big picture fan. Yeah, it's like uh, a- if I had VHS, I wouldn't get rid of the. The, the sleeve. Well, that's not sleeve. hard because you can't make it any smaller. Yeah, yeah that's true. The only that's VHS true. movies I, well, I guess I have some, but my favorite movies that I have that are still on VHS are recorded off TV, or yeah. I wrote I wrote on the spine in a sharpie yeah. what movies on that. Yeah. That's so like special to me still just to see it there. 
Yeah. I love that. And then you play I, it and it's like all fuzzy. And then here comes the end of a commercial. It's like, you know, ABC night at the movies and then dun, dun, dun. And here comes the movie intro back in where you left off from the commercial. <laughs> so you would, you would pause when the commercial would hit manually yeah. and then yeah, yeah. unpause. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I and think I started doing as a kid, and then I was like, man, fuck this. I'm just going to let this one fucking ride. Just Dude, this. after a while, you think, like, all the commercials, and you you're, 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 you could, if you, if, you, if you pause during the commercial recording every time, you can put three movies on one VHS. That's true. That's so true. that's what was my, I was like, I can get more that's movies true. on if I just sit through it and pause. Very economical. But it was easy. I think I remember sitting in front of the TV and pulling the VCR in a position where I was still chill, all I had to do was stick my finger out. I didn't have to get up, you know. Did you ever? Um, did you ever edit using two VCRs? Yeah. Did you ever? Yeah. That, you play that on was like one the first, and you like have the t- the record head pause on the other. And yes. You, and then if the VCR would have. Uh, an audio input. Sometimes they'd have an audio input, like it would either be yeah. an RCA or or a three and a half mil. But yeah. you could play like a you could go get a, spe- a, a special uh, a sound effects CD, like yes. at the Halloween store even, and then you just have to have that on pause, right where the sound effect you know when you hit pause on pause yes. the sound effect will go. And yes. So you'd be doing like play and you yes. get ready and record and sound effect pause and then pause that. Yes. And then you get three scenes in and everything's great. And then you accidentally hit yeah. record without play or play. And it's, you get one sliver of that. And then you have to like rebuild, go back to rebuild. Uh, yeah. And if you rebuild on VHS, to, it uh, doesn't guarantee dirty. you'll still sometimes see shit that you recorded come through like fuzzy. Yeah. And the more you did it, the, the more it just like uh, diminished the... The, the the quality the magnetic tape or whatever shit was dude it was wild I used to like I came up doing skate videos that's when yeah, I yeah. got into filmmaking and there's a guy and, I'm trying to get on the podcast that came up doing skate videos like Spike Jones style man he didn't do Spike Jones style he was more he did videos for like um, I guess like Thrasher magazine when they would make like Sick. sponsor a video his name is Jacob Sick. Rosenberg Sick. he made he's he was still- He's a director now, a commercial director. Sick. D- directs big commercials, but yeah, he came up in the, with like he, his Instagram is all about the like it's like at Jacob Rosenberg or something, or you can just search Jacob Rosenberg, and um, he he'll post one of the things that he does that I I it's kind of sick is um, I don't really know the the skaters themselves, but he'll post uh, what does he do? He's got a thing called uh, Raw Footage Friday. His little hashtag. And he'll post footage from like, you know, old VHS footage or like old, you know, Sick. super like uh, not super eight, but like eight millimeter video yeah, of like footage from like some old Rodney Mullen in, at the Embarcadero, you know, doing something so off of some, cool. whatever those super popular spots out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's Don's like, gap. yeah, it's, it's like him filming these skaters that are pro that been pro before they even don't even knew them and they're trying to do that's tricks so they couldn't cool. land and it's like damn that's some legit gold old gold footage right there and he has I all wish that. I had I had so many I had so many tapes yeah. and I just I think I just lost as I kept moving but man I would love yeah. to have some of those tapes back to see some of those skate videos and stuff like literally I would take my mom's big old shoulder one <laughs> 
and, yeah. and go out and, and film. And I was always the one who wanted to film. And I was like, I know. you film this shit. Dude, I would bring I my camera. I'd bring my camera everywhere. People would be like, oh, no, you're going to do that again? Yeah. Just film that. Yeah, again. yeah. And you're going to thank me someday. And I'd buy the or fucking little screw-on wide lens that was yep. way expensive. I don't know how the fuck I got it, but. Yeah. If you go to those little fucked up camera shops that are like in San Francisco, those (laughs) those little they have the Kodak yellow everywhere. Yeah, it's like oh, we're legit wall to wall. Yeah, Yeah, it's like they're they're all on display in like these mirror boxes to make it look like there's millions of lenses everywhere. Yep. And And then uh, as you get in line to buy them, they then try to sell you some like rip off cologne. You're like, whoa, what? I thought this was a I thought this was a camera store. Yo, uh, we got the dope shit on cologne. Which got that polo? You want some Tommy Hilfiger? Which one you want? (laughs) And I'm like, no. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how All much want is it? Is the land. Yeah. yeah. They want to sell, sell, sell. I guarantee yeah. you half the shit in there was stolen or fucking oh, repoed yeah. or whatever. Hell yeah. Back then, I didn't care. I didn't know. Um, yeah. Like, just give me that man. wide angle look, bro. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Everything's out of focus because that lens doesn't necessarily, like, like, numerically or whatever, how the fucking thing focuses. This lens doesn't work, but I don't know because I just, if it fits the, the, the lens, if it screws on, yeah. like, and you could yeah. tell, like, only shit would be in focus is kind of dead center, and then it would sort of, like, have this crystallized fucked up thing around the edges. Yeah. It's like, whatever, film, film, just press record. <laughs> See, I almost want to make a film with a, with a Super 8 camera. I, I found my own Super 8 camera. Like, film recently. Super 8 or Super 8 video? Like, the old, the old video. Yeah, the I mean, micro, the mini, either mini DVs were good because they're no, so small. The, the, or the no, eight, we got the big one. The eight Super Eight, which was like like between VHS and MIDI V, was that mid size tape. Yeah, yeah. I used to record with that. That shit was tight. I remember yeah. I got I got real hard on my dad one time because, um, so I, when I realized when I realized that Adobe Premiere, I didn't know how it worked, but I realized that you could edit at home. Like I'm like, if I get all these things, I know I need the camera. It's got to have FireWire out. Yeah, uh, I gotta have the software, but I gotta have a computer that somehow whatever it takes is strong enough. I don't know what the fuck RAM was or processor, yeah. but it's got to be good enough, you know, good enough to be able to handle the video. Like it's a ton of information. Yeah. But I got my shit together. I got my dad to get me a camera, and then I fucking saved. And I got a computer, and when I realized it was working, I plugged that shit in. I film, and then I import the footage. I thought I was like, yeah. I'm like, let's go film all day, yeah, all night, yeah. And what sucked is you had to go through and capture. You yeah. had to press fucking play, yeah, and, and watch the scene like the whole tape and <laughs> hit record and capture. Yeah. Like, but you could do that. Hell. You could if you knew. So if you kept notes while you're filming, what I would do yeah. is. So here was the trick that I fa- I don't remember where I learned it. Probably from somebody else, because I don't. I think I don't remember learning it myself. I remember someone telling me. But the tape, so the way the camera would deal with the tape, because it was, there was the magnetic, like, data on there. If the tape was brand new, out of the package, you put it in, you press record and stop, it would, like, label that part of the tape, like, 00001 to 0005 seconds, right? If you record again, it would, like, start a new thing, like, a new time code, start from zero again. But if you, the night before you go film, right? You put the lens cap on so it's just black or, or bars or generate bars in the camera sometimes. And you record, stripe the tape, they would call it. So you record time code across the whole tape from the very beginning to the end. Then 
when you record on the tape, no matter how much you record from that point on, the tape has already been striped and it's like baked into the tape now from 001 at the beginning to whatever number the tape ran out on. Then all day when you record, when you come back to premiere and input, it will be it'll be numerically the same going forward. It won't back up and start at mm-hmm. zero again. Mm-hmm. So you stripe the tape, and the day you record, if you're recording, you could make a little note, and you look in, you say that take on 001 to 02 was good. And if you, if you stay on it while you're filming your short film and you come back to the computer, you could go in and punch in Premiere and tell it, capture from 01 to 02, from, zero, from 06 to 08, and tell it where to, what time code you wanted and say go, and it was plugged in. It would just go take those pieces only and put what? them to whatever drive you want. Yeah. So how many clips? How, like, however how many, many clips, clips you were on the tape. Yeah. It just has to be pre-striped and know yeah. that it's already numerically striped so it doesn't Holy go back. Holy shit. But if you're on your shit, and I only pulled that off a few times because, number one, you have to remember to stripe it. Number two, yeah. you have to have a notebook with you or something the whole time while you film and, and make a note of what take you wanted at what time code. Yeah. So if, Man, you, if, you, if you could so do smart. that, then all you had to do is go into capture, like Adobe capture and open that little window Yeah. and say, give me this, 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 and this, and you press go, and you'd, it would go, it would rewind, it would go back to the first one, record, stop, transfer, save. It would just go through it all. Wow. You could automate that wow. shit. I, I had no idea. There was no YouTube talking shit like this I back know. then. That's what I'm saying. YouTube somebody like somebody showed me that. Starting. Somebody oh, showed me that. Man. I think I had, like, there was a wedding video guy, I'm pretty sure. I remember delivering pizzas at this place. And in the same like plaza was a wedding video guy on like a second floor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to go fucking ask him if he needs someone to like, you know, do whatever the fuck because he's going to have gear and shit and I'm going to learn something. And so I went up there and I was like, you know, I think I just said if I, I'm pretty sure that this was like right when I was starting to like trying to get Premiere going and like be because at the time Premiere was like overwhelming. Yeah, because it it's like a timeline and audio. Bit. I didn't know enough to like. Yeah, it was like especially oh, if shit. you're working with iMovie and shit or Microsoft version. Yeah, iMovie wasn't even a thing yet. There were yeah, no Video iMovies. Maker, whatever. Yeah, f- 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 uh, Final Cut hadn't uh, become legit. Like, at least I didn't know about it yet. If it was, um, I think what I did is I went to that that um, wedding video guy. I'm pretty sure I said, I'll do whatever you want for free if you just teach me Premiere. I think I just offered, like, my, Sick. like, if you have a wedding, I'll go and do everything for free and work the whole thing. And But it turns out I think he needed somebody, so he hired me, like, to do a wedding, and then he would just hire me every so often for a wedding if it was big enough. But all I would do is, like, put a mic on a thing and, like, interview the family, you know, so he had a little sound bites for the family to say, That's oh, smart. it's so happy, Jan and Steve, you know, whatever. And, yeah. um, but he had a girl in there, a little a young girl that was probably only a few years older than me. Cause I think I was like 18 or 19 and she was his editor, graphic designer, everything on the computer. And she was all about, you know, she would read like Adobe magazine and learn shit as it came out. And she taught uh-huh. me a lot of these little secrets and tricks cause and it helped me, uh, overcome that, you know, keep me from being overwhelmed from premiere. I was never like big on computers, so to have that many buttons and options and shit, yeah, it's a lot to sort of like bite into it when you're that young. 
Yeah, that is. I think I started out on like Microsoft's version or whatever, and uh, my junior year in high school, which was pretty fucking dope. Now that I think about it, they had a video class at, at when I oh, that they offered, and it was so primitive. And the the teacher was an amazing, awesome guy, super awesome guy. But I felt like he was uh, very disciplined in the analog in the analog world. And at the yeah. time, Premiere had just come out and. Like so he wasn't digital. like all about it. Well, he was, but I think the learning curve, he was, you know, in his probably uh, mid fifties, I'd say. Uh, so it's kind of like over it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But for me, I was so in love with making films and so in love with like getting digital now. Cause I used to be all fucking VCR to VCR yeah, that I just started diving in and learning and, and studying and, and became yeah. pretty much, I don't want to say an expert, but the expert uh, person in the class of, you know, yeah. 20 you didn't and, and to get people to like to be the guy with that. If you just knew the basics and you could get footage in and out and edit, like you're going to be the go-to. Exactly, because it's like I so was new. Thinking further, of like yo, we can add audio. What? Yeah, like, put, I'll put a soundtrack. Oh, can, yeah. yeah. So it was cool, and I would often have the teacher kind of asking, kind of like, "What, what do you think? What, what do you think about this?" And I'm like, "How do you do this?" And uh, <laughs> yeah. it was just a really cool experience, and. Uh, and again, it was so primitive. Yeah. I think it didn't even provide cameras. I think we had to do our. It was. I don't cool. remember ever having a camera in a class. I brought my own shit, but never in high school. A little bit in some college stuff did they have cameras to offer, but they weren't like. They were kind of behind the times cameras. It would get you there, but it would be a little bit more hassle. Yeah. Damn, that's so wild. Man, that's too expensive. I love those memories when I think about like coming up and and how what got me into film and trying to like trace my tracks of yeah where I started where I am and yeah. and all the tricks and trades and all the failures and it's just it's super that, fun that was a big moment that. for me the digital video when I I remember I, I remember not I don't remember where I was but I do remember a moment when I realized I was like okay wait a minute it was it was me like seeing the stars align. There wasn't a commercial that said, "Hey kid, if you have this, this, and this, here's what you can do." It was me saying, "What's fireware?" So the so the camera, and I was like, "Wait a minute, wait." So you're saying I can plug the camera into the computer, and the computer can control the camera and see, mm-hmm. and I just import it, and then I can edit and then shoot it back out, and it'll record it like lay it down on a track. And I was like, wait, so I can film, I can literally film anything and make it a movie. I can edit, yeah. precisely edit, and yeah. I can precisely cut the video and audio and can insert sound effects to the frame that I want. I was like, wait a minute, this is crazy. Like, Yeah, that was a cool experience. It made me want to go film and... shit. I'm like, we could do anything we want, dude. Because exactly. all you need is the camera because everything else is there. I think the exactly. next big hurdle or the next big like slap in the face was something to do with the RAM and the amount of RAM you needed because I remember cutting something that was like more than about 10 or 12 minutes and that was like my limit of memory or whatever Mm -hmm. in the computer. So when the timeline took, was like over 10 minutes of running, for some reason when you export to back to like your final cut, you'd, 
everything will go out of sync because the RAM wasn't. Uh, so I'd, I'd send it back to tape, and then everyone's lips would be moving, and, and it would be in the. Uh, and I'm like, and I get so pissed. I'm like, why the fuck is this thing not time? Like, on, when I let, when I play it on the computer, it's fine. I export it out of sync. So I what do you do? And at that time, there's no like forums that you can really search, right? Because forums well, were just kind of starting and. There, there were a lot of magazines. I remember reading articles in magazines that would that would go that would talk about some issue that would possibly come up, or they would answer somebody's question from an issue before or something. This was CEOs. I don't know. I mean, I guess I really don't know. I think there was some trial and error in magazine. There was a lot of video magazines. Yeah, video editor, Adobe Premiere Pro magazine. There were so many magazines that were a shit ton of tar- articles about like lots of subjects. And we had um, to go get magazines too. Yeah. To look up the information yeah. or books. Or ask if I could fucking make a phone call. I think I would just crazy. ask people I knew and they would they would give there was a lot of like, what do you think I should do? And they'd give you advice and you just go down a rabbit hole and just keep chipping away at trying shit until you figure mm-hmm. your way through the shit. Yeah, Which is crazy because it. now you just ask fucking Google and everything's there on YouTube. But there was a point in time where it's like, I don't know what to do. Nobody around here that's in the vicinity knows what to do. So you just keep fucking knocking until you get it. Yep. With a, you know? I remember, I, I, I do remember uh, uh, watching the tape and wondering, okay, how far out of sync is it? Okay, when he talks, it's like less than a second before oh. the audio cues in, right? That's so hard so I think. would bump the audio forward on the timeline uh, in the hopes expert. that it would fuck it up and make it line up. Did that work? I don't remember. Uh, smart, I can't though. Say. Smart. But it was smart. like the, the most like, okay, if the square peg doesn't fit in the round, you know, it's just like, it doesn't work, fit it, you just do something. Smart. That's very smart. I can't say that it worked because I don't have a memory of being like, yes, I did get it to work eventually. I think I I ended up. It scared me to open the box because I when I got a computer, I had saved up a bunch of cash and had a had a PC built with two monitors, to specifically built for video editing with the ports on front to, yep. all kinds of audio inputs. And nice uh, video card. Yeah, you needed so much bullshit back then. Yeah, it's the so front crazy. of the tower would have all these component bays and shit. And you're just like. Yeah, you need all this shit. I'm like, why do I need all that shit? Yep, man. And now we're just sitting on laptops, cutting 4K <laughs> footage yeah. that comes from drones flying, you know, 50 yeah. feet over the subject. It's you crazy know, the amount cutting of cutting it in your coffee shop. I was, you know, the how, how they, you know, the um, I forget which mission it was, the, which which NASA mission went to the moon, and the processing power on the shuttle was that of a calculator. <laughs> I mean, how the fuck, dude? Yeah, I read that. Or I saw that on a documentary recently yeah. and just flipped out. And then yeah. seeing what a, a computer that had, like, 50 megabytes, yeah. how big this thing was. It was, like, you know, four feet by four feet. And you're just like, what the fuck? And the this girl, there was a girl that wrote the code, and there was, like, like if you put the books one on top of the other, there's a picture of her. I forget her name. I'm sorry, but... She's like she's five six or five five, right? And they stack all the books of code up for the space shuttle mission in the computer, and they're as tall as her. Binders of code. I saw that picture. I saw that picture. I remember one day my dad brought home this this drive, 
it was a it was a tape drive. There was a it took like these cartridges that were like like uh, audio like um you know tape except thicker, yeah, yep. like an inch thick. Yeah, I forget what the cartridges are called, but it was memory. You write the memory, whatever your shit was, you're writing it to a tape, and that giant tape with that giant reel of tape in there was like 150 megabytes. Yeah, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me, dude. We 150 megabytes is this thick, like a sandwich, so and you had to go kerchunk and and it yeah. would go and wind through the tape, and you'd find shit. Where is this thing? Let me find it for you. Wow, fucking crazy. I wonder, what, like, solid state drive is kind of next thing. It just it's all solid state, yeah. so it just it's all fucking you know so immediately you recall the data. Yep. Yeah, a lot of the guys that we work with uh, are always using the travel versions. Yeah. They're, they're just it's uh, safer, so nice. it's quicker, and it's like way safer because yeah. there's no moving parts. So yeah. if you drop it or something, you don't lose all your shit. So, oh god, there's so many times when I drop the hard drive and it just won't turn. You just hear it. Yeah, and you're like, oh cool. Like the way, <sighs> the only way to recover this thing is from some fucking guy literally doing surgery. Yeah, and that's going to cost how much? Yeah, it's not even worth it at that point. That's fucked up. Yeah, good shit. Um, yeah, man. Other than that, other than that, pretty good. Yeah, want to wrap it up? I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? Hey, I'm just stoked How's... to fucking keep it real with you, buddy. You're my for man. Sure. Yeah, man, that was fun. I always enjoy that. For definitely, always down to to jump on. See you tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think uh, let's see. Sometime in sometime in October might be cool because there's a lot of uh, a lot of shit going down. So oh, cool. definitely gonna. What's uh, are you working this week? I'm working on um, a couple. Are you doing your stuff? Production style pieces. No, not yet. Mm-hmm. I've been. I actually did work on the uh, the book. And I'll show you the new book. Oh, uh, I went through and started uh, updating the copy on that nice. and then updated the photos and just been molding it even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that book's, it's looking really, really good. So I'll send it over so you can see that. And then from there, um, like I said, in October, we're going to be meeting with the young. So nice. I think with that book, the looking pilot, forward to hearing what yeah. he has to tell you. Yeah. Take some notes so, and run. Yeah. I'm excited. And I came up with a new idea too for, uh, a show this will be off air mm-hmm. off the record yeah um uh i want to produce and i don't know if i want to direct but mainly produce um a show where it's do you watch chef's table at all on netflix uh, every time i give uh, people have been telling me and then i'll click on and see it and i'll like fall asleep before i even press play or some shit yeah <laughs> i haven't seen it, it. there's some ama- i mean god all of them are so artistically shot but there's some incredible stories in there and we're back and here's the intro uh we just skipped over a bunch of shit that i had to edit out because it's all secret shit (laughs) the 1970 podcast i don't do requests (laughs) come on you gotta get the who's the dad you got a lot of nerve showing your face around here hauser Who's talking? I suppose nothing hurts you. All right, I'll end on that. Billy. Oh, man. Love you. See you soon. We'll do it again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Talk shit. Oh, my man. Appreciate that. See you, bro. Thanks again. Peace. Peace.